This morning we're going to look at Simeon, Luke chapter 2. I want to read starting with verse 1. Of Luke chapter 2. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Skip on down to verse 21. When eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservants to depart in peace, According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." As I said this morning, I'd like to focus on Simeon. Does anyone know, I'm looking for my Bible scholars, who the first Simeon is that we find in the Word of God as we come from the beginning onward? Simeon, that's correct, I heard it, was Jacob and Leah's second son, Jacob's second born. If you remember, Jacob married Leah by accident well, more like by deception, but he did not love her like he loved her sister, for her eyes were tender. And that may either be an allusion to some sort of defect of the eye, or it could be a euphemism, as we might say, that she was hard on the eyes. That is what the Word of God says, I'm just the messenger. Nonetheless, so Leah's crying out before the Lord, my husband doesn't love me, would you give me a son? And she became with child, and she bore Jacob a son. And she cried out, this is in Genesis 29, says, Because the Lord has seen my affliction, notice that word seen, surely now my husband will love me. And so she named that child the firstborn. Anyone know the name? 
Reuben, because the Lord saw her affliction. Then she conceived again and bore a son, this would be the second son, and said, because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. And she named him Simeon, because the Lord had heard her. The name Simeon means heard or to hearken or one who hears. I want you to notice who named the child. It was Leah who did. She picked the name because it fit the request to the father. Names are important, especially in Jewish culture. Nowadays, we might go online and we might pick out a name that sounds good with our last name. In fact, you can find websites, you can type in your last name, and they'll give you some suggestions for first or middle names based on your syllables and your poetic meter. Or you could do what's often common, and you can find statistics to back this up, that you can just find a celebrity that's popular for any given day, and you'll find a trend with baby names that lags behind that. Today, it's very common for us to pick names while the baby's still in the womb, or perhaps if you're a high school teenage girl, you've already picked out your children's names, right? Anybody done that? You think you have an idea of what you're going to name your child, but in Jewish culture, it was very different. You see, it wasn't until the eighth day when they would come in to circumcise the baby that the days of purification were up that they would then choose the name. And in Jewish culture, they would look at the baby, they would think about the baby, perhaps even pray over the baby and consider what that child's future would have and hold, and they would name him something fitting. What do you think we should call him, Bob? Well, he is kind of hairy. Maybe we should call him Harry. Well, he killed a, I saw him kill a mouse yesterday. Maybe we should call him Hunter. And this is how the Jews would do it. They, they would get around, and on the eighth day, they would name them. And this is the same thing. As, as was the case, you can find about both John the Baptist, John chapter 1, verse 59, and John chapter 2, verse 21, you can see very clearly that they were named Jesus and John the Baptist on the eighth day. Now, names are important. As I said, Simeon means, <clears throat> excuse me, Simeon means hearer or to hearken, and I believe this was absolutely no accident. You see, Simeon had heard something that had been missed for five years hundred years. Let's see if we can glean anything from this morning from looking at this man. Firstly, in verse 25, we see that Simeon was righteous and devout. Now listen, I understand most of us probably want to be used by God. I want to encourage each and every person in this room that righteous and devout is a good place to start. Now I'm not talking about religiousness of just doing things in, in rote and, and not having any heart and meaning behind it. We're not talking about religiosities, but rather being dedicated to God and to His Word. Do you love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind? If not, then, then don't look at everyone else thinking, oh, I wish I could be used like that. It's a hard word to hear. But I would pray that even though it's uncomfortable, you would test that word. Because oftentimes we have these grandiose ideas for how we could be used by God when in reality we're not living under His ways and we're not submitting him ourselves to His ways. Simeon was righteous and devout. Luke makes this point. 
The second thing that we see about Simeon is that he was looking for the consolation of Israel. That word consolation, I'm reading from the New American Standard. The word in Greek is paraklesis. Paraklesis. The message of comfort, the message of hope, that is what the consolation is or paraclesis. It's a message of encouragement to Israel. This is what Simeon was waiting for, the message of comfort, of hope, of encouragement. Does anyone know what paraclesis, does anyone have an idea? Does it ring anything to your mind of what word it sounds a whole lot like that we sometimes use? That's right, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paracletos. That's the word that John gives to describe the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 and 16. The parakletos, it's the same root word, same meaning. It's translated in most English Bibles as comforter or helper. Fun fact, Barnabas in Acts, his real given name was Joseph, but he was renamed by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement or consolation. Same word, paraklesis. Names are important. And the Holy Spirit was on this man, this man Simeon. He was, the Holy Spirit was on the one who would hear. The Holy Spirit was on the one that would hearken unto the words of God. He was part of a special group that experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost, Acts 2.4. There was a handful of people we see around the Advent season, the coming of Christ, that experienced the Holy Spirit in a special anointing. Zacharias and Elizabeth and John the Baptist, even in his mother's womb, and Mary and Simeon here, we see, I I want us to understand and, 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 and take note that the Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons. He fills both male and female. We read that the Holy Spirit was on him, on this Simeon. What a great statement that is. In some way, the presence of Almighty God Himself rested on this man. That is, when people were with Simeon, they must have felt that they were being with God. They were, had come near to the Lord. There must have been something about him that marked him as a person who walked closely with God. Oh, that that would be said about us, that we would walk with the Spirit, and that, the, that people around us would come to understand and recognize that the Holy Spirit would rest on us. Simeon means hearer. What did he hear? Verse 26, excuse me, how did he hear? Through the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, it was revealed to him. This is the word, this is the what to, to what he heard. That he would see Christos Kyrios. That's what it says in the Greek. It means Christ the Lord before he died. He would come to meet the anointed one, the Lord God, before he died. Now, for those that may not be aware of names, making the point, this is a sub-point and not the main thrust of the message, but that names are important, Christ is simply a name and really it's a title that means anointed. It's a Greek word, Christos, comes from a Greek word that means anointed. The Hebrew word for that is Messiah, as we say it in English, or Mashiach. Some of you are probably familiar with the term, the title, Yeshua HaMashiach, that means Jesus, the Messiah. Christos is the Greek word for Messiah. 
And so Simeon was waiting for this Messiah, this anointed one that God had promised. He had read through the Old Testament. He was familiar with Scripture and familiar with the Word. The Holy Spirit comes and He gives him a revelation and says, there is a boy coming, there is one coming, the Deliverer. I'm going to anoint him for my kingdom purposes and you will not die. You will not see death until you have put eyes on that Messiah. And Simeon got a hold of that Word through the Holy Spirit. He heard God's voice. Oh, that we would be sensitive to hearing God's voice just like Simeon was. So Mary and Joseph, they followed the instructions of Gabriel. They named this boy Jesus. Jesus has its own meaning of a name. It comes from basically the, the name Joshua, and it means the Lord saves or God is salvation. So Jesus means God's salvation, and, and it should be evident to us why God would tell Gabriel to tell Mary why they should name their son the Lord of Salvation. Jesus was fulfilling Scripture. That was to be His destiny, His, his prophetic future. And they declared it over the baby. Simeon knew through the Holy Spirit that this baby Jesus was the Messiah Lord, the anointed one who was spoken of in the Old Testament. Now verse 27, something jumped out at me. It says, He came in the Spirit into the temple. What does that mean? Not by the Spirit, not of the Spirit. You might think there is a typo there, but it came in the Spirit. This isn't suggesting that Simeon's Spirit came into the temple like he was in some sort of dream or something bizarre was happening. I believe rather that Simeon was so full of the Spirit that he was being led around by God's very Spirit as he was being directed by his leading. You too can be led and walk by the Spirit. That the Spirit, we would allow the Spirit of God to lead us. That we wouldn't do things by our own decisions. We wouldn't make decisions on our own. But we would say, God, what would you have me do in this situation? And this Simeon lived his life this way. He walked or came into the temple in the Spirit. Oh, that we would be sensitive to God, that we would begin to Simeon the Holy Spirit, that we would begin to hear God's voice. Perhaps to everyone else in the temple, Mary was just another young woman with a baby. They were poor. Scripture brings this out. They brought two young birds. Scripture allowed them to bring something more they could have brought a lamb, could have brought a goat, and, a, and one pigeon or dove. But they were poor, and they brought two birds to be sacrificed and so for the dedication and the purification. This was indicative of a poor family. But the Holy Spirit opened Simeon's eyes to see that Jesus was the promised one in whom hope and comfort were found. This baby Jesus certainly wouldn't have looked like a king in the natural eyes. He certainly didn't look like a descendant of David. He was ordinary. Through natural eyes, this Jesus wouldn't be affluent enough to be a deliverer of the nations. But God, through the Holy Spirit, can reveal things to you that don't make sense in the natural realm. Amen? Jesus was the Christ. He was the anointed one. He was the consolation of Israel. And Simeon only knew this I hope you're getting it, because he was in the Spirit. 
what do we fail to see because we are not in the Spirit? In our comings, in our goings. How many anointed babies miss out on their prayer of dedication? I'm speaking metaphorically. Because we are not in the Spirit, listening to what God wants to do through us. O oh, church, are you mindfully aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? Or are you resisting Him? Are you allowing Him to speak freely and openly to you? See, the Holy Spirit sanctifies our actions and our words and our worship. He moves within us. He stirs within our hearts and our prayers and in songs and, and through Scripture and through preaching. He opens our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts to His truth. He breathes life into our dead bones, leading us into God's will. But first, and here's the requirement, we must be listening to the voice of God in order to be in the Spirit. Simeon came in the Spirit into the temple. What would our worship look like if we did the same? Instead of just allowing the worship team or the pastors to, to set the tone and the atmosphere and we kind of come in with all of our baggage, right? We come in with distractions and all of the hurts of the world and, and we come in and say, well, I'm going to, hopefully God does a work in me and I need to change And You know, that's great. I pray that that happens to each and every person. Every week we, I say something to that effect that we would leave differently than we came into the church. But the reality is that, that God has given us all we need to live victorious and to, to con be con more than conquerors in this world. And so if you're looking to other people to constantly pour into you, your pastors, your worship team, to get you into a place where you can then minister outwardly, then I just wonder how many opportunities we're missing out on. And thus, people around us are missing out on because we're letting someone else do that. Simeon came to church in the Spirit. He came in the Spirit to the temple. He brought the Spirit with him. He didn't go to the temple to get filled up. All right. I'm ready to do your work, God. He brought the Holy Spirit into the temple. What would the sermons be like if pastors were guided by the Spirit? What would the body receive and learn if we came the same way as listeners? Do you come into the temple in the Spirit? Another thing I get from verse 27 is that we ought to be walking in the Spirit no matter what we are doing. You don't have to go to church. Simeon carried the Spirit with him. God was already with him before he went to church. Now in verse 28, we see that Simeon takes this baby Jesus and he blesses God. And blessed God. It almost seems intimidating or borderline blasphemous, doesn't it? That we would think we would have anything of value that we could offer to God and therefore bless Him. But we are instructed to bless God, the creator of heavens and earth. What a thought. You see, blessing can be a prophecy or a prayer. It can be a dedication over someone, but it can also just mean praise and worship. Are you supposed to bless God? I thought He blessed us. Well, both. He does bless us, but we are also to bless Him. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. So yes, we absolutely can and should bless God. 
what a privilege the Simeon had to behold the anointed one to pray a blessing over God, the Son of Man. Now God, true to His Word, here's a freebie for you. God's Word will not fail. God speaks something, it's going to come to pass. Lots of things in the Scriptures that have not yet been fulfilled, they will come to pass. You can take them all to the bank. You can count on them. Deposit that check. True to His Word, He made sure that Simeon would be kept alive. Now in my flesh, I was thinking as I read over this story, I'm, I'm thinking, how great would it be to have a word from God that you're not going to die until you see the anointed one. I'm thinking, yeah, man, I'm going rock climbing. I'm going bungee jumping. I'm doing all the sorts of things that I've wanted to do for a long time, right? Who needs that harness when you're climbing on the trees anymore? We don't need anything. I'm taking some serious grit, risks. God brought about his word. It came to pass. And he kept Simeon alive just so that he could pray a prayer of dedication over a baby. And that he could speak a prophecy and bless his parents. What an epitaph. He blessed God. I'd like that on my tombstone. Eric lived, died, he blessed God. I mean, that, that'd be a good one, right? What a calling. What if we had that sort of purpose in our lives? Oh, that we would bless God. That we would live for the day that we would have the opportunity to bless God. Do you know that you do have that calling on your life? You have a purpose just as important and special as that on your life? You know, we want to be used by Him, don't we? I want you to hear this morning that God has an important task for you. I don't know what it is. You can talk to me. I can, I can try and come up with something but it's not going to be as sweet as if the Holy Spirit gives it to you personally. Would you put up with 20 more years of aches and pains? How many of you are feeling a little bit old, right? You're getting there? Simeon, I don't know how old he was. I got to do what now? I got to live for how long just to pray over a baby? How many of you would put up with the aches and the pains of life just to accomplish the plan and purpose of God? Would you keep running the race, even if it was just to bless one individual? Let us now consider the substance of this blessing. These words themselves are both beautiful and rich. I'm going to read them again, verse 29. Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, this declaration over the baby Jesus comes in part from the book of Isaiah 49, the book of Isaiah chapter 49, where God is he's addressing Israel and he's speaking of his coming servant, whom we know as it's the words are being applied to Jesus that he was speaking prophetically of Jesus, this coming servant who would restore Israel and bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, just in case you didn't pick up on this already, I want to make this abundantly clear. We're talking about Gentiles. Gentile just means non-Jew. There's Jews and there's Gentiles. Non-Jew. That salvation is now, by Jesus, being extended to everyone, not just the Jews. That's what this phrase, a light to the Gentiles, is referring to. It's, it's spiritual light. Imagine a light shining on the path. We are in darkness. 
But Jesus comes and he brings the light to us. We're blind, we can't see, we're lost, we're in the dark. But Jesus shines a light on the path to salvation. He shows us how that we might walk toward him. How did he do it? How do we get in salvation? How do we get there? Well, Jesus took the punishment that we deserve. And he died in our place. The Bible teaches that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's why Jesus came. And I want you to do that this morning. I want to encourage you, if you've never done so, to tell someone today that you believe that Jesus died for your sins. To tell someone that I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. And the Bible gives, us, gives you this certainty of everlasting life. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you get this confirmation. And, and, and He'll just remind you of the hope that we have. Of this, this not, I hope this happens, but a certainty that one day we will be with Him. That's what salvation is. As we get, I want to get back to Simeon. Do you see, it was Simeon, the hearer, who was one of the first people to understand that this was baby Jesus' future. And that is why he had a praise break. And he blessed God. Now, he may not have had all the details about how the whole process was going to work out in its entirety. But that's beside the point. What we ought to apply from this excerpt about Simeon is that after hearing God's word, guess what? He acted on that belief. That is what faith is, isn't it? Simeon had faith. Simeon's actions reveal that he had faith in God. Beloved, understand that you are saved by God's grace through the faith that you place in Christ Jesus, in His Word. In other words, Simeon was confessing with his mouth that Jesus was Lord. He had received this revelation of salvation in Christ alone before Jesus had even been born. Simeon, you won't die until you hold salvation in your hands. Certainly, that would be worth a praise break, wouldn't it? Now, let's consider this blessing again. This time, I'm going to paraphrase it. Lord, thank you for bringing your word to pass. I have lived for this moment, for I have seen with my own eyes your provision of salvation. This baby Jesus, which you have prepared for the whole earth, both the Jew and the Gentile. I hope you realize that the birth of Jesus was planned and prepared before the world began. That is, that Jesus, in coming to save us from our sin and dying the death on the cross, which he did, was not plan B. In fact, it was God's plan from before the foundations of the world. God had ordained his son to be born and to live and to die in our place before the creation of the world. In verse 34, Simeon is recorded to have said to Mary that Jesus was appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel. You see, Simeon was seeing past the public opinion. He saw past the leading interpretation of Scripture of his day. The leading interpretation of the day was that there was going to be a Messiah that would, would come up and he would deliver the Jews from the Romans. They would get freedom from political oppression. But he looked past all of that 
Simeon had tapped into the supernatural revelation of Yahweh God because he was in the Spirit. He saw deliverance not only from a nation and a wicked culture, but he looked forward and saw deliverance from bondage of sin and of death. He saw deliverance from the law. He foresaw a mediator between God and man and a unifier between Jew and Gentile. And the spiritual shift that was taking place would be extended to all who would believe and follow after this newborn baby, Christ Jesus. No longer would mankind hopelessly follow all the commands of God. They would try, wouldn't they? They would try in their day, all the Pharisees. They would add to the law. They would interpret it lots of different ways and add all these rules. But they could never fulfill it. But God, through Christ Jesus, could for us. And if He would just die in our place as a sacrifice, God would be appeased. His wrath would be turned away from us. Jesus truly was the greatest gift that God could give to mankind. He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Simeon was now ready to die in peace having accomplished God's mission for him. The peace that Simeon feels is not because he is naive to the suffering of the, of the righteous servant. He knew that Jesus would be spoken against. He knew that Jesus would be rejected, but somehow, according to God's master plan, beyond all the conflict and salvation, salvation will prevail. No matter what you're going through, what you're facing this morning, I want to encourage you that God has a master plan. And even though things feel hard and difficult right now, even though you look forward and all you see is death and destruction, you see things falling apart in your home, in your family life, I want you to know that, that God's salvation will reign and His good is coming and His peace is everlasting and He invites you to come up and sit with Him. And it's not just for Israel, but to all who would believe. It's as if Simeon knows the mercy of God was going to swell over the banks of Israel and bring revelation to all the nations. See, the Apostle Paul articulates it this way in Romans 11, verse 11. He says, I say then, Israel did not stumble so as to fall, did they? May it never be. But by their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make them jealous. In other words, when Israel rejected their Messiah, their long-awaited Messiah, that they were so, for 500 years, there hadn't been a word to the prophets. They were waiting for this deliverer to come. And when he did come, they rejected him. But even though they rejected him, it was because of that that a tidal wave of grace extended to the rest of the world. But let us not be so foolish to think that God is done with Israel. God is not done with Israel, yet there is a remnant, and the Scripture speaks of their future salvation. You see, even though our vantage point is different from Simeon's, we too see Jesus as the fulfillment of all that the Old Testament anticipates. Jesus has fulfilled that. We look back. But this Advent season, this Christmas season, we remember and we celebrate the coming of our King. It's already happened. He has come once, and He has ushered in salvation to the ends of the earth. What must we, be, what must we do to be saved? Repent of your sins. Believe in Him. Believe that God has sent His Son to earth to fulfill the law because we could not. Believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that He fulfilled the law, Believe that He was crucified on our behalf because that is what sin, sin demands and believe that He was resurrected from the dead on that third day. 
Like Simeon, we rejoice and celebrate today in the arrival of the promised one, the anointed one, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And similar to Simeon, we anxiously long for the day that Jesus will return. Maranatha.